Hi, this is John, creator of Tale of the Manticore. This episode marks the one-year anniversary for the show. Stick around after the sign-off for a short message, if you're curious to hear about some of this year's highlights. The following podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Tale of the Manticore. Like the creature from which it takes its name, Tale of the Manticore is a mashup, a crossbreeding between two different species of storytelling. Here you will find the unpredictability of old school paper and dice games with the storycraft of a dark fantasy novel. No character is sacred and no character will be spared if the dice decide their fate is at hand. The dice determine all. According to lore, the tale of a manticore is barbed with cruel iron spikes. There will be much pain in the days ahead. Last time on Tale of the Manticore. In chapter 34, the companions continue their exploration of the convent in the hopes of finding survivors. There are, sadly, none to be found. Instead, the party discovers the body of the High Priestess, which has been desecrated, mutilated, and used to perform an unholy ritual. In this episode, we learn more about Sav Merimon, cleric of Enthkadra. Enthkadra is one of the old gods. He has commanded his disciple to undertake a kind of quest. Sav's path leads west, the opposite direction of the parties. Actually, he is moving towards the place where they started their hex crawl. He is headed for Dwarvar. Sav completes the first part of his journey by boat. When he's traveled as far as he can in this way, he makes landfall and turns north into the foothills. He's not alone. Two zombies shamble in his wake, waiting to obey his next command. Chapter 35, Part 1, Day 41, Late Afternoon, Party Status, Harl, 21 of 21 hit points, Eridine, 12 of 12 hit points, Gyrios, 21 of 21 hit points, Umura, 13 of 13 hit points, Ursuleth, 4 of 4 hit points. Spells Available, Umura has memorized Light, Shield and Levitate. Gyrios has prayed for Cure Light Wounds and Purify Food and Water. Earlier, they had argued. Gyrios had wanted to stay and use the shovel Harl had found to bury at least the five bodies that they could recover safely. Umura, on the other hand, had wanted to follow the river and look for the human settlement that they suspected was there. She made the argument that whoever lived there had a right to know what had happened in the convent. Eridine did not agree with either of them. She wanted badly to leave this place and was not keen on any settlements, human or otherwise. But as she lacked the voice to argue with, she became distracted and anxious. 
Harl, exasperated with them all and red in the face, eventually put his foot down. I didn't want to come here in the first place. Now, you listen to me. We have water. We have food. I have a promise to keep, and I am going to keep it. He had been ready to threaten to take Ursuleth and go off on their own. It was a threat he was willing to make good on, too. But in the end, the others had caved, with a few consolations. Gyrios insisted they allow him to at least cut down the High Priestess and relieve her body from its current indignity. Even Harl could not gainsay this. Gyrios did the task alone, as reverently as possible, with tears in his eyes. He started by wrapping Aradine's cloak around his face and then throwing open the windows to the room, letting sunlight in and bad air out. Even then, he was barely able to complete the task. Eventually, he laid the High Priestess to rest in her narrow bed, with her entrails coiled like a rope on the floor beside her. At her feet, he laid a scribbled note he had made using the writing supplies he found on her desk. It briefly described who they were, what they had found, and finally, a dire warning about the creatures that still haunted the cloister. As he finished his work and folded her arms across her chest, Gyrios noticed a shining silver ring on the High Priestess's finger. He debated leaving it with her, but then thought again and slid it free. Better he take it than looters and thieves. On a close examination, the band was not simple silver at all. It was completely untarnished, and it sparkled faintly as he turned it in the light. It was as if the metal itself contained crushed diamonds. He tried to place it over his pinky, but even though it appeared big enough to fit, he simply could not put it on. When he returned to the others, he showed it to Umura. The magic user admired it for a moment and then slipped it over her own finger with ease. As she did so, her eyes widened and she could not suppress a smile. A wave of love and warmth had passed through her entire body. Umura now wears a ring of protection plus one. This ring, created by the elder devotees of Hanavi in some faraway temple in the lands of Koth, can only be worn by a woman. The wearer need not be a cleric of the Blind Maiden of Hope, but no man may use its power. When asked by Harl about the terrible condition of the priestess, Gyrios had sighed with deep sadness and explained to the best of his ability. But what was the best of his ability? Would Gyrios recognize the particulars of the Dark Ritual? Unlikely. I think I need to make another check. Because this would be considered knowledge religion, I think I'll roll against Gyrios' wisdom score, but because the deity being appeased by the ritual is not much known in Merith, Gyrios will have to roll at disadvantage. Gyrios has a wisdom score of 14. He needs to roll that or under on a d20, twice, to have any insight here. The first roll is an 18. No need to roll again. Gyrios could only tell that an unholy ceremony had taken place and that the temple altar had been desecrated. He shared this poverty of information with the others, while holding both of his hands open, palms up, in helpless ignorance. With nothing else left to do, the five companions left through the main double doors. They emerged into bright sunlight and started their walk to the northeast, back into the staggered mountains of the Kazmirioth. This episode is a level-up episode for not one, but two of our PCs. Both of our spellcasters will enjoy a little boost today as they achieve level four. Let's start with Gyrios, who's fresh off an experience he did not want to have, but that will certainly have left him changed. Clerics get a d6 of new hit points, and Gyrios has a plus one constitution bonus. I'll round up his min out to a four on the d6 if need be. I won't when Umura has her turn, but Gyrios clearly has a responsibility in the party to stand near the front in a fight. 
Here's his roll. A five. Yet another lucky die roll for our cleric. With his con bonus, his new adjusted HP total is 27. That is excellent. For ability score increases, we keep our d6 handy and hope for a six. Strength. A one. Intelligence. A six. (laughs) Okay, I wasn't expecting that. He goes from an 11 to a 12. Must be all that philosophical sparring he's been doing with Umora. She's rubbing off on him. Back to the rolls. Wisdom. A two. Dexterity. A six, again. Holy smokes. Gyrios's dexterity goes from a 13 to a 14. Does that do anything? I need to quickly check the rules. No, it seems it makes no practical difference. Constitution is next. Another two. Charisma. A five. If these rolls aren't enough, he gets something even better. Yes, finally a second level clerical spell. Each day he can pray for any one of the following. Bless, find traps, no alignment, hold person, resist fire, silence, snake charm, speak with animals. Well, we'll need to wait and see what he chooses. Now it's Umura's turn. As a non-fighter, her min out will round down when rounding for new hit points, though she does enjoy a constitution bonus of plus one. Here goes. Ha! A four! Plus one! This brings Umura's hit points to 18. That is remarkably high for a magic user, even at fourth level. Stat rolls are next. Strength. A three. Intelligence. A four. Wisdom. Another six! Wow, this takes her from an eight to a nine, removing her minus one penalty to saves versus spells. That's huge. Also, how appropriate that in her admittedly intense conversations with Gyrios, he benefited from her intelligence and she from his wisdom. These dice truly do have a story to tell. Let's finish it off. Dexterity, a five. Constitution, a one. Charisma, a two. Well, she still hasn't learned to be any more personable, it seems. These dice rolls are much better than I expected. And once again, the best is for last. A second, second level spell for a total capacity of two of each at levels one and two. What does she get? Unlike Gyrios, she rolls for a random selection. Here's the roll on a d12. I've got a six. She has learned the spell, knock. A quick look at the spell description says it can unlock all kinds of things, including chests, known secret doors, and even barred, stuck, and magically sealed doors. Not super glamorous, but probably useful. It's been a while since I last updated character sheets, so I'll do so on taleofthementicore.blogspot.com to document all these changes. Congrats to Gyrios and Umora. They won't get another level up for another 13 episodes, but by any measure, today was a very good day for both of them. I wonder if they'll have to pay for this good fortune in the future. Hmm, the dice give, but they also take away. Well, I guess there's only one way to know. What is the party up to now? Let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, We'll find out. Initializing Waffles Maple Syrup Promotion. Please enjoy. Welcome to Waffle Maple Syrup's brand new Starfinder podcast, Journeys Adrift. Grab your space popcorn and join us for the wild journeys of these five characters. Starting us off is the prospective Madeline herself, Zehavim T. Don't tell anyone, but she's on a journey for some classified Starfinder intel. What? Who told you that? I'm absolutely doing no such thing. 
Don't worry, this is all behind the fourth wall. It doesn't count. Next up is Dr. Lin on a journey to clear his name. And for the last time, there are four tentacles in regular pants, of which there are simply four pant holes. Uh, oh, I mean, uh, that is correct. Hello? Mmm, that's not awkward. Let's see. Next on the roster, we have Tetsu, who is on a wholesome journey to happiness. Best of luck with that, buddy. What do you mean, best of luck? That sounded sarcastic. Was that sarcastic? Don't worry about it. Let's move along to our little friend here, Moat. Moat is on a research journey for drift technology. Who knows what secrets they'll find out there. Oh, oh, uh, right. You can't see me. Uh, believe me, my visor is displaying a smile. Like, I can't. Sorry, bud. This is an audio-only format. Anyways, last but not least is the lightning rock himself, Aizen. He is on a journey yeah, for- Yeah, let me cut you off right there. I've got to find a cure for the circumstances happening to my body, or else I'm going to end up in pieces in the process. Oh, well that sounds fun. But between you and me, listeners, there's a lot more journeys than these five happening behind the scenes. So join us and listen to Journeys Adrift on the Waffles Maple Syrup podcast and live stream to find out where these journeys lead. The party has left the convent and re-entered the Kazimirioth, the river of iron. Since they've resumed their hex crawl, it's time for me to get out the charts and return the storytelling reins to the gods of chaos. The first thing to determine is how long this final leg of the journey will take. It mostly comes down to Harl's pathfinding ability, although it can certainly be influenced by other factors too. In addition to the character sheet updates, I'll post an updated progress map on the blog. As the crow flies, the Arleguar is 60 miles from the convent, but the way there is mostly hard, mountainous terrain. Also, Harl has never been there and must navigate by his memories of other dwarves' stories. I think it will take a base five to seven days to get there, from their position. That's an awkward number to determine, but a d6 will do the job. On a one to two, five days. A three to four will be six days, and a five or six means the journey will take a base seven days. Here's the roll. A one, lucky lucky. The base time will be five days then, though this could be increased by a number of factors. The weather is one such factor, and it is our next roll. Rolling a d20, an eight. The first day away from the convent is overcast and dull. The stumble upon roll is next, a 14. They encounter nothing but scrub and rock. Does anything find them? Wandering encounters are next. A six on a d6 indicates there is one, a one, nothing does. The only thing of note on this day are the new spells that the two spellcasters acquire. Umora, admiring a new tattoo on her left palm, memorizes Knock. Gyrios, remembering the fight with the ghouls, decides to pray for Hold Person. Well, that takes care of Day 41. Day 42. Weather. 13. A bright and cheerful day. Food is still in good supply and morale is high. Stumble upon. A 14. Nothing is found. Wandering encounters. A 3. Again. The party ventures northeast, unharassed. At the end of this second day, they make camp, and Harl decides that in the morning, they will change course and cut east. Day 43. Weather. A 19. It is a perfect day. The party members are in tremendously high spirits. Ursulith even breaks into song spontaneously. Stumble upon. 18. Still no result on this roll. Wandering encounters. Uh-oh. It's a six. Has Ursulith's singing brought danger to them a second time? 
I need to consult a few more tables to find out. I'll be using the same wandering encounter table that I used for the first leg of their journey. It's different from the last one that I used as it's geared toward that particular terrain. Also, just a reminder that I've peppered my custom list with non-monster encounters, although these are definitely in the minority. Still, anything can happen. This list is available on the blog as well if you scroll down to older posts. Okay, rolling a d20 for this one. Lucky 13. Oh, okay. This result requires that I make a surprise roll. For each side, a d6. A 1 or a 2 indicates that that side is taken by surprise. The party's roll. A 3. Not surprised. And one more roll. A 5. Also. Not surprised. Interesting. I think I need to do a little research for this one. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Chapter 35 Part 2 Day 43 Late Afternoon Party Status All party members are at their maximum hit points by the grace of natural and magical healing. Harl, 21 of 21. Eridine, 12 of 12. Gyrios, 27 of 27. Umora, 18 of 18. Ursuleth, 4 of 4. Spells available. Umora has memorized Light, Shield, Levitate, and Knock. Gyrios has prayed for Cure Light Wounds, Purify Food and Water, and Hold Person. Ursuleth finished her song and popped the last of the bread and cheese into her mouth. She smiled broadly while chewing. Everyone laughed. Umora even clapped in applause. One more, one more, she begged. Still chewing, Ursuleth shook her head from side to side and waggled a finger. Always hold something back, hmm? Oh, but now the silence is just unbearable, joked Umora, covering her face with her hands in mock despair. Ursuleth nodded emphatically and finally swallowed the morsel. Instead of attracting deadly shadows, this time it seemed that Ursuleth's song heralded an opportunity for some welcome shade. The bright sun had been warming them for hours, and so when they saw the large boulder ahead, they agreed to stop for a few moments of rest. They drew aside the huge gray stone and paused, wiping sweat from their brows and surveying the landscape to the east. Ahead, the terrain dipped down and angled into a lightly wooded valley nestled between two great spires. That way is our path said Harl, pointing. By Grunmug's grace, we might find some food. Apart from a handful of tree nuts and dried fish, the rations taken from the convent were exhausted. But even the specter of hunger could not darken this young dwarf's spirits. They were getting close now. He could feel it. Of all the terrible things they had endured, he was going to succeed in his mission. Sure as stone. Everybody ready to continue? He asked. The others smiled and nodded, and so Harl took the lead and the others followed him into the hidden valley. Dotting the scrub grasses between stands of spruce were dandelions by the thousand, a dragon's horde of bright golden dots. Eridine stopped to pick one up and promptly ate it. Looks like we found lunch, and probably dinner too, laughed Umura. Are you sure those are good to eat? Gyrios asked doubtfully. Eridine looked at him with her bright green eyes and nodded. She smiled pleasantly. How do they taste? With one corner of her mouth pulled to the side and her brow creased, Eridine bounced her slim shoulders. We should gather as much as we can, then, 
Giryo stopped to pick up a flower. He held it aloft and studied it. Perhaps this is a good omen. What do you think, Aradine? Aradine was not looking at the cleric any longer. She was looking down into the valley, frowning. A few hundred yards away, something was moving between the trees. Hard to make out at first, it was large, brown, and moved toward them in a crooked, slow, zigzag line. Hesitant at first, and then faster. Everyone saw it now. Girios dropped the dandelion. Bear, he said. His hand moved towards his weapon. Grizzly bear, corrected Harl. And your weapon will do us no good, Girios. All five of them took a few tentative steps back. What do we do? asked Girios. Freeze? Perhaps it will leave us alone. It was closer now, less than two hundred yards away. They could make out the huge hump on its back and its prominent forehead. The beast let its mouth hang open the way some dogs do, and, coupled with the coloration of its fur around the eyes, the overall effect was not unlike a large, grinning skull. Suddenly it blew out a woof sound, picked up speed, and bounded toward them in a straight line. Listen to me. We have to run. Run for our lives. Whatever you do, stay together. Head for high ground if you can. Ursleth, always at my side. Go! They turned and bolted while the beast roared behind them. Thank you for listening to Tale of the Manticore. If you've enjoyed the show and would like to lend your support, please consider spreading the word on social media or leaving a review on the podcatcher of your choice. My sincere gratitude to everyone who has left a rating or review so far. These things really do make a difference by helping the show to reach a wider audience. As you know, I'd like to read one of these great reviews at the end of every episode. This one is from Joe Squared. Joe Squared writes, The tale of the manticore oozes creative energy. The effort and energy that John puts into his show is apparent. The story leaves me at the edge of my seat, feeling real human emotions and the weight of every dice roll. Thank you, John, for taking the time out of your day to write an intriguing story that has been part of my own creative process and has been part of my work schedule as I listen to make the hours go by a little faster at work. I only hope that your sanity remains intact and that you take breaks and time you need to keep up your awesome narrative and to have fun while you're doing so. Well, this one did get me right in the heart. Thank you so much for writing that, Joe Squared. I'm delighted that you're enjoying the show. As to my sanity, well, I think the show might be the thing keeping it intact over this past year. Having another world to go to, while the real world ground to a standstill and simply going outside became a luxury, has really been good for me. Working on the show is my break, and my joy. Thank you once again for that fantastic review. For show notes, maps, doodles, character sheets, musings, and other nonsense, check out taleofthemanticore.blogspot.com. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find me on the usual socials, Twitter, at manticoretale, and Tale of the Manticore Podcast on Instagram. Email works too, of course. My address is taleofthemanticore at gmail.com. The adventure will continue next time on Tale of the Manticore, the story where chaos rolls.
Hey, Scales, is this thing on? Yeah? Okay. Hello, I'm Asher Flinhart, and if you're hearing this, that means you can listen to the World of Gold of Your podcast. You can listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. The show is me, my five friends, Scales and Plaque the Created, OJ the Koboloi, Rhodes the Stone Eidolon, and Ori the Moon Elf. We play a free indie TTRPG called Wildervere, run by the people who write the game and their friends. Watch us travel the magical city-states of our cozy, friendly, and wild world, learning new skills, and enjoying a lot of new adventures in a Saturday morning kind of style. We release every other Wednesday on all major podcast platforms. You can also follow us on Twitter at Wildervere, or on a Discord server you can find at worldofwildervere.card.com. Thank you so much for listening to our travels. Rose is going to flip when we, he hears we have clout, whatever he called it. Bye-bye! Skills, you can... You can stop now. What do you mean OJ's gone? Um. It's hard to believe, it really is, that the show has been around for a whole year. And by Mazigar, what a year it has been, both in the real and in the fantasy world. Now, I'm a big fan of keeping things brief, so here's my little wrap-up on the one-year anniversary of the show of some of the more interesting facts about Tale of the Manticore. Some of them may surprise you. And now, presenting Tale of the Manticore by the Numbers. 1. Fake Episode 2. Player Character Deaths 2. Brief Diegetic Songs Performed 3. Story so far, bonus episodes. Four, magical items found. Six, player characters rolled up. Seven, original overland and dungeon maps posted to the blog. Eleven, level ups earned. Thirteen, original short musical scores recorded. Fifteen, combat sequences. Seventeen, Vocabulary words for the Dwarven language I never expected to start compiling. 20. Guest voice actors, voicing 25 characters. 24. Different cross-promotion partners. 36. Full episodes, including an episode 0. 43. In-game days. Plus, numerous Easter eggs. Mostly OSR luminaries, but also some listeners' names, sometimes rearranged into anagrams, sometimes hidden in plain sight. Infinite love, drive, and passion to continue telling this strange story. One massive thank you to everyone who has encouraged, participated, rated, reviewed, retweeted, told a friend, sent me an email, or simply listened along. You are the best. Thank you very much.